Welcome to Informed Aging, a podcast about health, health, and hard decisions for older adults. I'm Robin Roundtree, a former family caregiver, now work in the senior care industry with Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center. With me is my co-host, Edith Gendron, Chief of Operations for Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center, a positive approach to care, certified trainer and consultant, and former family caregiver with well over 30 years of experience in the industry. The thoughts and opinions expressed belong to Edith and I, not our wonderful employers and sponsors. So if you want to get mad, get mad at us and not at them. Before making any significant changes in you or your person's life, please consult your own experts. Today we're talking to Tom Campbell, an expert in assisted living. He's got a lot of opinions and he's going to give us the inside track. So if assisted living is in your future or a loved one's future, you want to stay tuned. We'll be right back. Senior Helpers is the only home care agency offering a revolutionary new way to approach senior care, the Life Profile Assessment. This data-based app is a crucial tool in helping seniors age safely and successfully at home. Combined with our proven in-home care programs and trained caregivers, the Senior Helpers Life Profile is leading the way to better outcomes for our clients. For more information, log on to SeniorHelpers.com. For over 37 years, the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center has served as a central Florida-based grassroots nonprofit and community resource center dedicated to providing support and hope for families and individuals caring for someone they love who is living with Alzheimer's disease or other dementia-related illness. The ADRC empowers caregivers with the knowledge, support, skill, and strategies through a variety of programs to help them confidentially prepare for the challenges that lie ahead. To learn more, visit their website at adrccares.org. That's adrccares.org. We're back with Tom Campbell, CEO of Tom Campbell and Associates. Uh, You provide management, consulting, and training services to ALs in Florida. So we're going to be talking in a lot of uh, abbreviations. So AL and ELFs, ALFs, is assisted living or assisted living facility. Correct, which they also sometimes call communities. Okay. So that is a place where you get fed, you have a room, and you have some personal care. Correct. There's about 3,000 different ALFs in the state of Florida that are licensed from five bed homes all the way up to 100, 200 plus apartment style type living. Okay. And who licensed, who's in charge of the that? The Agency for Healthcare Administration out of Tallahassee licenses all assisted living facilities in Florida, as well as about 24 other providers as well. So there is a rule book you got to play by if you're in assisted living. Oh yeah. We call those the regulations. Okay. And there's a lot of them. There are, Yes. And you teach the classes, it's called CORE, and what, what are CORE classes? So I teach the state certification for assisted living facility administrators, which have been traditionally known as ALF CORE training. And the whole intent of CORE training is to teach the student the basic information related to the regulations or what we call the foundation or core from which we operate off of. So we all have to start somewhere. Right. Okay. And they, and we start with our license through the regulations. All right. So you can't just say, I'm going to open up an assisted living facility and not 
have core training. Well, that's just part of it. But yes, you have to be certified in order to operate an ALF. And in some cases, newly named administrators of uh, currently operating facilities have a 90-day period to become certified. But yes, typically to operate an ALF, you have to be certified within a certain time frame. Okay, what other requirements do you have to operate an ALF? Where should I start? <laughs> At the top? <laughs> well, I hope it's a long list. To, you have to pass a test, right? They, well, they... I mean, in or, first off, let's just, uh, I'll talk about licensure real quick. You are correct. You can't just take any house, building, or piece of land and license it. You have the Department of Health involved. You have local zoning involved. You have the fire department involved. Health and fire are two major parts of uh, what we have to do to even get a license, then every licensee has to uh, financially uh, qualify in order to get a license. And then in order to be an administrator and to operate, yes, you have to be certified to do so and maintain uh, continuing education requirements over a two-year period to maintain your certification. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. It, actually, 12 hours of continuing education is probably not a lot, though some administrators would probably want to argue with me because 12 hours out of their day sometimes can be a lot of time out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad it takes a lot because you are dealing with people at the end of the, the last chapter of their lives and taking care of their health. So... Once you go through all of that and you're operating an assisted living facility, how does the state of Florida keep track of how you're doing? Well, everybody, every ALF renews their license every two years. So they're going to be surveyed at least minimally every two years. There are three different specialty licenses which we offer as well, or the state offers. One is called Limited Nursing Services, which is strictly allows our nurse to do more than just a standard license. There's extended congregate care and limited to mental health. And based on whether you have a specialty license, ACA comes out more frequently. With and ACA is the Agency for Healthcare Administration. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> we, the Agency for Healthcare Administration, by law, is known as the agency. Okay. So, and there's central office in Tallahassee, then the field office in the local area. We happen to be in Orlando in Area 7. So, they also, if you are. If you are an ALF who is not in good standing with the agency, they reserve the right to come visit you more often. Okay. Okay. Or if you've had severe deficient practice over a certain time period, the agency can come in at any time that they want. Okay. As long as you're talking along those lines, uh, we get this question sometimes, and I'd like us to hear the answer from you. What exactly is a moratorium and what does it mean to me, the family member of a resident living in a place that has now been, had a moratorium placed on? Well, if a moratorium has been placed on an assisted living facility, it means conditions exist that may pose imminent danger of death or serious or physical or emotional harm oh, I... that could result from their run. They actually classify that deficiency as a class one 
or immediate jeopardy, as they would say over in the skilled world, but it's kind of now leached over into the AL world. And um, so a moratorium means conditions exist that the state has said that once a moratorium is placed on the ALF, you cannot admit any new residents or allow any resident who's out to another level of care on what we call a bed hold to return without the agency's permission. Wow. It's not a really good thing to please, have happen. Please tell me it's rare. Um, unfortunately, in the last year, it's happened more often than not for oh. a lot of different reasons. So, um, and the thing about a moratorium is, is not only is it bad from an operational standpoint, but everybody's going to know about it before it's over because the state has a system where that if you enroll like I do, I get an email every time everybody gets in a, a moratorium placed upon them or if they get sanctioned. So how do you find that out? Oh, that's easy. You can go to Florida Health Finder, okay. which is the state's website, and you can look up any ALF, any provider licensed by the Agency for Healthcare Administration, you can look up on Florida Health Finder. And the thing about that website, which is really good for consumers, is it gives you a clear history of any sanctions or fines that have been imposed upon that ALF. And it even allows you to go in and do detail to see what the deficient practices were, they summarize it. In fact, I recommend this website to consumers, which is supposed to be consumer-based, but for me as a professional, I use it for a lot of research. And I'll tell any new administrator of an ALF that's taken over from a past administration or any director of nursing that's taken over, you want to go in and pull that survey history of that building just like a consumer would to see what you might be faced with if you walk in the door. So it's floridahealthfinder.gov. Yeah. yeah. Very powerful website, important yeah. to know about. So I went on it and kind of like put in a place that I knew, and it was overwhelming to me. So... Who would you call to guide you through those results? You can call us, ADRC. Right. You really get call, email. You know, we'll help anybody in the in the state or or nationwide. Right. Each state has a different version of what we're talking about it's, today. It's not like an easy grade. They give you an A, B, or an F. You know, the thing about this is, is if you were a family member who was dealing with that, does the Alzheimer's dementia. Uh, family member, it would behoove you to reach out to one of the Alzheimer's, the ADRC, or somebody related to that particular, same thing with any mental health resident, to get an idea of what they see. Because Edith, for example, where she's at, she hears a lot of feedback from what's out there. And obviously, she keeps that. I hear a lot of feedback. But I'm not somebody who is accessible from a public view there are geriatric care managers that practice out there, and there are placement and referral services that are out there. But here's what I tell everybody. Just like everything else in life, we have a lot of really good placement services and people who do really good jobs, and I know we all share some of those right. individuals we've worked with before, and I've known 
the individuals we've talked about for years and years and years, and I'm very confident. And then we have the others. And the and so unfortunately, the others are what give everybody a black eye across the board. It's like saying one bad ALF, all bad ALFs, and that's not true. So, Edith, I've kind of gotten the impression from you that you believe, and you have run an assisted living facility, correct? I have indeed, yes. So you've been in those shoes, and I think you're a good judge of what's going on, and you're disappointed in the way the industry is going. Yes, I am disappointed. I've been disappointed for a while. Part of the reason I no longer am an administrator of an ALF. Um, some of it is beyond the control, I believe, of the government, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and this is probably where Tom and I will have a lively conversation. <laughs> I don't necessarily support some of the regulatory changes that have occurred. Um, let's pick on my favorite thing to pick on, and you know, I can see, look at his face. You could, he said, here we go. Um, restraints. I was born, bred, and raised to believe that chemical or physical restraints are horrible things and should never be allowed in assisted living. Um, Yes, I know that people fall all the time. And yes, I know admission to an assisted living does not prevent falls. I do know that in certain instances in skilled nursing facilities, lap belts or the like can be used. I still don't like them in ALF. I believe that part of the answer to that is that we have better trained team members, care staff, and more, and that they get paid more. Now, I'm going to shut up and let Tom poke (laughs) great big holes in my my block of cheese. So, (laughs) as far as physical restraints are concerned... Back in the day when Edith was practicing as an ALF administrator, physical restraints were not allowed. Mm -hmm. They only became allowed by law July 1 of 2020 and by rule, as we call it, August 16th of 2021. The change in the regulation does not say an ALF must physically restrain or shall. It say it may, under certain conditions, may is voluntary. Mm. Where we differ in our approach is that I believe that assisted living facilities should have certain options to create programs tailored to how they operate and shouldn't be hand-tied by some of the regulations that we have in the, in the past. For example, I'll give you an example. I write all the policies for my building. I manage a property here locally in Central Florida, and I work with about, I have worked with about 25 different ALFs. I write a lot of policy. I was very, very lucky. The day, August 16th of 21, when that came out, I was doing an initial survey in Naples, with a surveyor named Laura Wirtz. And Ms. Wirtz was the ALF manager of Area 8, and she filled me in on this uh, physical restraints law and assisted devices, and that gave me a fairly good basis to write my policy. Well, I wrote my policy, and my policy originally said absolutely no physical restraints in my building at all because I'm not a fan of physical restraints, no nor am I a fan of chemical restraints. And definitely, chemical restraints are far more problematic than a physical restraint because a physical restraint, you can see it. 
With a chemical restraint, unless you know what you're looking for, you can't see it. So a chemical restraint would be medication, medication. to kind of calm you down and zonk yeah. you out. Right. We, a chemical yeah. restraint is defined as a medication that's used for discipline or convenience and not used for the treatment of their medical symptoms. Oh. And that's about as close as I can get to the state's definition after 22 years of reading it. <laughs> but... The bottom line is, is I after I thought about it for a while, I changed my policy to include a waiver that under certain circumstances, if if the healthcare team came back with a recommendation to me as the manager of the company, because in my building, anything that's like that has to get my final approval, then I'll consider it if it's a benefit to their stay. Okay, if it's not, it's hands down. There's no physical restraints. Here's the thing. It hasn't been tested yet, mm. okay? And I've been sitting back since this happened waiting for it to get tested because we know the pioneers get all the arrows. Ah. So I, I kind of sat back and let everybody else kind of guinea pig things to see where we're at. But to be honest with you, right now, currently, there is no one I know that actually physically restrains people. And what would be a legitimate use of that? Have you come across something where you're like, this makes sense? Okay, so when we look at physical restraints, there's one particular device that... It's called a posy. Exactly what I was thinking. And a posy restraint is, for all intents and purposes, a lap belt that secures somebody to their chair. Okay. It's, used, it's actually used in two different settings. It's used over in the psychiatric setting to physically restrain a resident who is psychotic and getting into the personal space of the other 30 people in their unit that are psychotic, which is not a good day. Right. Or it's used in long-term care to prevent a fall. Posey restraints are restricted completely in ALFs, period. Out of all the physical restraints that were identified in the regulations, half-bed rail, full-bed rail, geriatric chair, posy restraint, and other Mm. Others are devices that can be used as a restraint, like rolling up a sheet and tying somebody to a chair, okay? Or the newest one, you have a resident on hospice. They're bedridden. They have a, be a half bed rail. Under the current definition, if they cannot remove or avoid that half bed rail independently without assistance is a restraint. And a person who is under hospice with a half bed rail that's bedridden cannot remove or avoid it. So therefore, it would be a restraint. So you see, mm. it's all how the regulations read. And let me just tell you, I have 22 years of reading the regulations and it's still an art every day. So physical restraints, I, you know, I, I don't disagree with you and I don't agree with you wholeheartedly. Again, for me, I like to look at every individual resident from an individual standpoint to see what would benefit them in their, in, in their continued stay and at the end of life. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for your knowledge. We're going to have you back to talk about what to look for when shopping for an assisted living facility or memory care, if that's good with you. 
look forward to it. All right, we're going to do that. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast, Informed Aging. Tell your family and friends about us. You can find us on Instagram at informed underscore aging, facebook.com slash informed aging. Today's episode was recorded at Digital Broadcasting's podcast studio. That's it for now. Looking forward to our next visit.